Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. That's right, it is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. And all guests appear via the Shell, excuse me, the Goodyear Hotline. Field Yates and Taylor Twelman hanging out with you on the final day of 2020 in place of Mike Greenberg, getting a little bit of a battery recharge before this show debuts in its new time slot, Tuesday. That's right. Tuesday, we will move to 10 a.m. Eastern time for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Get involved with us on the conversation. 1-88-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And Taylor, we're about to turn the page to 2021, which got us in somewhat of a nostalgic mood here, wondering what was the best moment in mm-hmm. all of 2020. And we're not talking about the best moment in life because hopefully, despite all of the disappointment and tragedy and heartbreak of 2020, there were plenty of great personal moments as well. But the world of sports is the one that you and I live in and much of our life revolves around. So as you reflect back on 2020, what stands out to you most? And by the way, if you, the audience, wants to listen, doesn't want to call in, feel free to vote on the poll. Go to at Taylor Twelman for the poll about the best moment in 2020. But what stands out to you? Uh, it, it, it was the Last Dance documentary, and mm. the reason why is because when I tell the stories to my grandkids, and and just what this was and field. Remember, you and I growing up, we used to do book reports and have to talk to grandma and grandpa about <laughs> World War II and the Vietnam Wars. And I say that kiddingly, but we're gonna be asked about this pandemic. I will talk about I. I, I didn't know what to do. You know, your world's flipped upside down and ESPN and Disney making this executive decision to push forward the last dance about a story about a player, arguably the greatest athlete in our generations that we ever saw, the story that we all knew what the result was, yet all of us were literally on pins and needles watching this documentary. I just feel like that documentary is going to help me tell the story of what this pandemic was. In field, you didn't join the show yet, but the reason why I wanted to do something positive is a real good buddy of mine survived COVID. He was told on December 26th that he was going to die. His wife was called. We all got text messages. And yesterday at noon, we were told his oxygen levels have gone up. And so I wanted to end 2020, this ridiculous year of what it was, with somewhat of appreciation. That is why... You and I are doing that poll today to try to move into 2021 with something positive. Yeah, and certainly sports have provided us with plenty of great moments. I thought the last dance was tremendous in so many ways. And, you know, I grew up, I'm 33, so I saw the tail end of Michael Jordan's career, had the chance to watch him play in person a couple of times. I realized at the time that it was special. Yep. I didn't fully capped, capture how special it was. And being able to relive it, that re- revisit those years were just incredible. They were remarkable experiences. And Taylor, beyond that, I'm not saying that things are ever going to get back to how they were, the things need to get back to how they were, but think about how much sports has changed and how much mentality has changed now amongst oh athletes at all levels compared to where it was back then. The way that Michael Jordan held teammates accountable and the way that he spoke to his teammates, honestly and candidly and frankly... How much of that would fly today? Like the answer is maybe well, still with social some media, a little bit, but not much, buddy. Yeah, not yeah. much. He was. I mean, as great as he was, part of the reason why Michael Jordan was so great was because of how much he expected out of those around him and how his actions and how his 
performance on the court demanded it out of his teammates. So such a great, well-done documentary by ESPN. The decision to accelerate it and release it early was one of the great early presents of 2020, one of the only few good things in 2020. So that was probably the best sports moment off the field, and certainly on the court and on the rink and on the diamond, there were some great, great moments. And as somebody who lives in the world of football, I will look at the 2020 season collectively as a great moment, just to have it, right? I mean, the fact that the NFL is now, today's Thursday, so three days away from the final regular season Sunday kicking off, uh, it it feels sort of remarkable to me because there was a time, May, June, where I wondered... Are we going to have an eight-game NFL season? Are we going to have no NFL season? The sport that you are most associated with, of course, Taylor, is soccer. And soccer has kind of been the leading catalyst in the world of return to sports, right? I mean, soccer is a global game, no doubt about that. We've seen so many leagues, incredibly, including the MLS, of course, bring that sport back and do so in a way that has been safe and, of course, very entertaining as well. It's been great to see these seasons actually be completed. It really has. And and I actually want to take a caller because he's Ronald in Pensacola, Florida, because speaking of football, I think Alex Smith, that's one heck of a story of 2020, don't you? Okay, dude, I'm going to go with the uh, with the Alex Smith. Um, first, I, I want to I want to talk about the uh, last dance, dude. I remember and I, I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase uh, Steve Kerr. He said, um, we recognized Phil Jackson as the coach, but we didn't want to disappoint Michael. As you said, this man was greatly revered. Alex Smith, coming out of college, dude, I thought Alex Smith, I thought his career would be what um, um, a man over in our Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers. I thought Alex Smith's career would be Aaron Rodgers' career. For this man to come back from almost a leg amputation threatening death, not only to be an effective quarterback, but to be the best quarterback on their team, I think it's Alex Smith hands down, dude. You guys have a good day. Yeah, Ronald, great answer there because Alex Smith's recovery and his comeback has been nothing short of remarkable, as everybody has noted. Not only does Alex Smith deserve the NFL Comeback Player of the Year, they need to rebrand the award, the Alex Smith Award for overcoming adversity. And I overcoming. couldn't agree with you more, Field. Yeah, it really deserves that kind of merit and recognition. And the story was brutal, honestly. I mean, 17 surgeries, nearly losing his life, his leg. But one of the parts that I always thought was uh, maybe most inspiring was that Alex noted the motivation in returning to sports so that he could show his kids, when daddy tells you, if you can put your mind to something, you can achieve it that would be the best way that he could teach them that lesson because certainly he put his mind to it and he achieved it. And, of course, Alex Smith is a good reminder that the NFC East is still up for grabs here as we hear continue on Greeny on ESPN Radio, which is presented by Progressive Insurance. And Progressive's home quote explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. We're going to be joined by Washington football team ESPN NFL Nation reporter John Keim in a few minutes here, Taylor, to get the latest on Alex Smith and certainly much more. But as we size up, handicap Week 17 in the NFC East, there are three teams left that can win the division. Washington, which just needs to win, or the Cowboys and the Giants. The winner of their game would win the division if Philly upsets Washington. So you enter this weekend. Who do you believe? Who's, in your opinion, the team that has the best chance to win that division 
and of course secure a home playoff game in the first round. Field, the fact that we're having this conversation, listen, I, I applauded in the first hour of the Levitard show, the NFL. I love the fact only one team gets a bye. I think that's the biggest reason why you have in week 17, would you say 35, 36 different scenarios for the wild card weekend or whatever it may be. This is what you want. This is absolutely what you want. What I cannot fathom is how the NFL is still trying to sell me that a team out of the NFC East deserves a home playoff game. That the divisional winner is is deserving of that. Field, we had Mike Tannebaum on this show two days ago, and he said there's a growing concern among front office people that you've got teams in the top six of a conference 11-win teams, 10-win teams that are not going to make the playoffs because of this divisional winner deserving of a playoff game. I, I think there's evolution there. I think it needs to grow. NFL's product being the best league in this country, uh, I, I just I, I think it's remarkable that we're having that conversation. However, we're having that conversation. I yeah, get it. We are, yeah. I look at it. I'm going to take, take the Washington football team, okay. and here's why. Defense. If Alex Smith is their quarterback – he manage it. He manages the situation. Gets that defense can wreak havoc on a one-off game, a one-off game. And from you, correct me if I'm wrong. If the Washington Football Team wins, more than likely they're playing the Buccaneers. Correct. More than likely they sure are. Yep. Right. And and so you can get in Tom Brady's kitchen. Now listen, the Washington Football Team's not going to be able to keep up with the Buccaneers unless their defense shows up, and they're going to have to score some points somehow. But all it takes is one day. All it takes is one game. And that's why I feel when I look at the Cowboys, okay, their offense may be able to keep up with the Bucks, but you would probably agree with me not so much. Daniel Jones, I have no confidence in that offensive line with the New York Giants with the amount of times he gets pressured. So I'm going to pick the best defense, and for me, I think it's the Washington football team. Yeah, I'll stack them the same way. Washington, Dallas, New York. As a side here, by the way, I sort of wonder if the NFL should consider something. Actually, you know what? I'll save that thought because instead of that, we're going to head on out. An ESPN Washington football team reporter, John Kime, joins us on the Goodyear hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. John, good afternoon. Thanks for making time for us here on the final day of 2020 and the big storyline surrounding Washington this week. Well, a lot of quarterback storylines, but the most important one is who will be their starter in Week 17. As we sit here on Thursday at 1210 Eastern time, who do you believe will start for Washington on Sunday against Philly? Um, I don't know how, <laughs> how that because no, I my my guess would be that Alex Smith starts. I think a bigger question too would be who finishes mm. because with that strained calf, what kind of pro- problems will that pose the more he plays and exerts himself? He was close to playing, or he was close to being ready to go last week. He went, he practiced last Friday. They felt he looked good. And then Saturday he woke up feeling sore again with it, and that was a troubling sign. So I even asked him yesterday, was that actually encouraging or somewhat discouraging because you get to a point where you can go, but it's, it, it may be that once you start exerting yourself, does it, how long does it take for that part to not feel bad? You know, and is that going to be an issue this week if you don't practice a lot and then play? So, we're, you know, they – he, when we talked to Alex Smith yesterday, he was fairly encouraged, I think, by the plan they had for him and with, in terms of treatment and progressing him throughout the week. So we're, I'm headed out to practice, and I'll see him about 25 minutes, see what he can do. But I would guess 
that he starts. But, again, that is right now just a guess. There was optimism last week, and there's still some this week. But with that calf and his, his leg injury history, it's a little bit trickier. John, I'm just curious. We often see in sports where there's an addition by subtraction. In Dwayne Haskins, you haven't seen a real outcry from any of the players on social media that him being waived and released didn't really was an injustice and, and wasn't undeserved. It, has that brought the group together in an odd way? I think I don't know that if it's brought them together. This team has had a lot of things to bring it together. Absolutely, you know, throughout the year. So I don't know that they necessarily needed that. I think what it reinforces, and guys talked about this yesterday, that um, and Thomas Davis talked about this, who's been with Ron Rivera for many years in Carolina, and then this year, that what it does is it reinforces the fact that I don't, you know, they don't. He, he's not going to care if you're a first round pick or someone else. If you're not, you know, exhibiting the habits that they want, then it's not going to matter. So now it also helped that this was not a Ron Rivera draft pick and he was somebody he inherited. So I think it makes it a little bit easier to part ways. But I do think, and, and again, what, what David said, it wasn't just the habits in terms of work, um, what you're doing during the week. It's also what are the decisions you're making um, outside of that and going to the, you know, having that event where he was at without a mask with more than 10 people in a week where, you know, a week where you may be the starting quarterback in a game where you can clinch the NFC East. That was not a good sign for them. And it wasn't like he was out there, you know, um, getting in legal trouble and all that. It was just some of the other decisions they made that they felt were immature. So I think that's what it reinforces to them. And even Jaden McKissick, that, you know, Dwayne knows what he has to do and what he has to get done. And it's like, we're just focusing on this game. So I don't feel like this is a distraction at all for them or anything like that. And I just think it reinforces a message in the way, in the direction they want to go in terms of the culture they want to build. John Kime, who covers the Washington football team for us here at ESPN, joins us on the Goodyear Hotline. And, John, I know the focus has to remain on just winning Week 17 because if they don't win in Week 17, Washington is potentially playing golf in early January. But – those of us sometimes can't help getting ahead of ourselves. If Washington does beat Philly on Sunday night, you've watched this team through the highs and lows this season, and you've seen them play some teams that are very good, very tough, namely Seattle a few weeks ago. How much of a chance would you give Washington in a one-game scenario playing at home against a team most likely to be Tampa in the first round of the playoffs? I think it's, I mean, it obviously would be difficult to see that. I mean, I think, I think there's. I, I would say this: when you have that defensive front they have, and could they? Can they? What kind of pressure could they put on a guy like Tom Brady? Mm-hmm. That's where the big key would be. And if they can do that, then I think they can hang around during that game. Um, I, I would have the one thing they've done this year, though, too often is give up really big plays down the field, and I think that would be a, a huge concern um, for me going into that game with that offense. But I do think that that ability to put on, put pressure on is is a is a is a something that could keep them in that game. And then it becomes who's playing quarterback and what's the status of a guy like Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, um, because they're going to need those guys to be producing to to contend in a game like that. And against one thing they've shown all year, I and mean, they've fallen behind by double digits. I think it's in eleven of their fifteen games. And they've only come back to win two of them, but lately in the last half of the year, every time they fall behind by that, 
they come back to at least make it a game, whether it's Carolina, Seattle, they, you know, they played terrible and, and, and Dwayne Haskins actually played a good fourth quarter and they had the ball with a chance to win late. So they do have that resiliency. And I think that's a good mindset in a game like that, but it starts with that defensive front. What kind of pressure can they put on Brady if that, if we get to that point? Yeah, they certainly are a frisky group. Jai, we'll get you out on this. Uh, you are an Ohio state graduate. How many touchdowns are they winning by tomorrow night? exactly john's laugh just told you the answer john's laugh just told you the answer field so what is the answer (laughs) yeah you know i listen i just hope they compete can compete with poor Dabo's team you know yeah i mean i just i feel for that guy that that he's got to play a team that's only played six games and you know thoughts and prayers his way but like we'll see what happens i don't know it's i will say this it was it was a it was a really good game last year, and um, with those quarterbacks in there, I, I'm I'm hoping that it's a good game again this year. And I think the one thing I'll say too is like Ryan Day is a really good coach. I'm not going to count him out of anything, and, and that's a nope. very tough program to beat for them. They've never done it, so you know we'll see. John, I love your tepid odd optimism for your <laughs> alma mater. We appreciate your time here on Greeny on ESPN yeah. Radio. Thank you. All right, great stuff there from John Keim, who, as we mentioned, of course, covers the Washington football team for us here at ESPN, is also a huge Ohio State fan as he attended school there. So, Taylor, uh, you, for those that don't know, uh, have deep Boston roots. Uh, at mm-hmm. one point, the MLS MVP while playing for the New England Revolution uh, have, have made Boston close to home for a long time. So, you know, uh, everybody knows Tom Brady well, but you have good knowledge of Tom Brady. Yep. Can you imagine Tom Brady... In the first round of the playoffs, first of all, like Tom Brady playing on the road in the wild card game, I don't think that's ever happened. I could be wrong there, but I think maybe it's happened one time besides what's going to happen in the first round of this year's playoffs in his career. Can they be stopped in a one-game scenario against a much inferior opponent? Yeah, I think so. I, I think they're the, t- they're the number one topic of discussion for the team that could go one and done, mm. right? Or a team that can make a run. Like, it's one or the other, right, Field? Like, you look at it, and you're like, I can kind of see them being in the Super Bowl, and then I look at them and say, ooh, I'm, I'm not totally sure. I don't. Th- I think if it's the Cowboys or the Giants, I don't think they lose. I do think the, Red, the, the, the Washington football team gives them a little bit of a wrinkle there mm-hmm. with that defense to put pressure on him. You and I both know we've seen Brady. The only time he really struggles is when you get real pressure in, internally, right down the middle. They've got an opportunity to do that. Do I think they do it? No. Do I think the Bucs win? I do. And I just feel like it's part of Tom Brady's story. The Bucs haven't been in the playoffs since how long? Well, guess what? Brady comes. They're in. It wouldn't surprise me if the Bucs all of a sudden, on the road, make a run, get far. It's just part of what Tom Brady's done. He's always played field with the chip on the shoulder, from the moment he showed up in New England, he still has it. It's indirectly now. It's different now. There's still a chip on his shoulder, especially now that Bill Belichick and the Patriots struggled this year. I, I, I don't think they beat him, but I do think the Washington football team can be a little bit of a hurdle because of that defense. Well, Tom Brady is typically immune to pressure, but there are certainly plenty on him and the entire Bucks team in the wild card round, whoever it is that they play. What was the best sports moment of 2020? We're discussing that, plus... Are the Ravens the team that no one wants to play in the postseason? Greeny with Taylor Twelman and Field Yates on ESPN Radio rolls along. But first, this word from ZipRecruiter. 
Finding great candidates to hire can be like trying to find a needle in the haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter instead. It's powerful technology actively finding and inviting qualified candidates to apply to your job. It's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. Are the Ravens the team that nobody wants to play on the playoffs? That's yes. next on ESPN Radio. It's Greeny with Taylor Twelman and Field Yates. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. It is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and all, I guess, appear via the Goodyear hotline. It's Field Yates and Taylor Twelman hanging out with you on what is the final day of 2020. We appreciate you making a part, making us a part of your final day routine. And we've been having a couple of heated, not even, no, not heated, just some 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 thoughtful conversations. What's the best sports moment of 2020? Who's got better hair, Taylor or myself? You can answer me on Twitter. Go to at Taylor Twelman. I believe I got the likes and Taylor got the retweet option. So just go ahead. Yeah, and like you, do you want an update on that? Yeah, I do. I kind of do. I want to feel good about myself. Yeah, you should. So oh, likes I? are up. The likes are up there. Um, you're two likes ahead of retweets. Mm. Um, so I'm going to text my mom real quick, who's not on Twitter, <laughs> and find a way to just kind of change this conversation. And you do have good hair, buddy. Yeah, right back to you. Listen, game recognized <laughs> game, right? Uh, it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And, of course, it has nothing to do with hair whatsoever. But the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday need to win against the Bengals. They're favored by double digits. And here's a fun fact for you. The Ravens are the only franchise in NFL history that has never lost a game during the regular season in which they were a double-digit favorite. They're 40-0 and when favored by at least 10 points. So you know what that means on Sunday. Good luck to you, Bengals. Um, they're a team, though, that if you rewound to July, and nobody wants to rewind to July right now, Taylor, but if you had to, you would be saying to yourselves, there's no way the Ravens are playing for a wild card spot in Week 17. Like They've probably got the division wrapped up. They might be fighting for the number one seed in the AFC. This team was loaded. So you, if you were to imagine the team that the Chiefs least like to fit, would least like to face, because the Chiefs are the favorites in the AFC, do you think mm-hmm. the answer is the Baltimore Ravens? And I guess it's not just for the Chiefs. Is that the team that any top AFC seed does not, does not want to face right now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's where I let it, because the conversation, and, and listen, I'm not saying Buffalo Bills aren't justified to be in this conversation. The way they're playing with the swagger that we saw with Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, 
against New England. They're having fun. They're playing at a high level. I think that attack can keep up with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. However, I'm on the outside saying I think it's the Ravens. And I'm going to give you two reasons why. First and foremost, we all know Lamar Jackson, John Harbaugh, that chip on the shoulder with the way they laid an egg, especially in that playoffs last year, the way indifferent this season has been, for lack of a better word, with COVID-19 and having to play in a game against the Steelers where you and I both know nobody wanted to play that game from Baltimore. (laughs) But secondly, this is the bigger talking point for me, Field. When you look at this year without fans – NFL teams have a home record of 120, 119, and 1. That is a barely, barely over 50% win percentage. That would be the lowest it's ever been since the 1970 merger, if that continues, obviously, through Week 17. And so when I look at these playoffs, field, I don't think home field advantage is going to mean that much unless you're Green Bay, where weather plays a part the way it did against the Tennessee Titans. But if you're Baltimore, I think they're better when chips are on the shoulder instead of when they're in the spotlight, when they're favored. I think they're better as underdogs. Yeah, They're going on the road. I, Field, you tell me, is it that far-fetched to think, you know what, Baltimore may be the most difficult team to play against if you're the Kansas City Chiefs? It's not – well, I think the answer is Buffalo is a team that Kansas City would least like to face. But of the teams that aren't going to be a top three seed, I think it's Baltimore. And by the way, um, I agree with you on the idea that Green Bay, and I would actually put New Orleans in that conversation as well, would be the two teams that would benefit the most from their own home field advantage. New Orleans because they're so much better in the Dome consistently, especially on offense. And then Green Bay because you you could get minus 22 degrees. You could also get a foot of snow. Elements tend to be a thing that happens in January in Green Bay, Wisconsin. the Ravens, yes and no, because I thought it was interesting when you were mentioning the chip on the shoulder that the Ravens have after losing last year in the first round of the playoffs. I wonder if some people would also argue that's also what gives me pause about the Ravens. The stats, we know them for the most part, and I would say I say for the most part because I can't recall the specific record the Ravens have with Lamar Jackson as their starter when falling by uh, behind by 10 or more points. It's something like 1-9. Like, they are the anti-Chiefs when they fall behind. So for that reason, if you're Kansas City, who, as we know earlier this year, went to Baltimore and just I mean, knocked the snot out of them in a Monday night football game, they're probably not afraid in that regard. It's just this. It's a couple of things. Um, first of all, Lamar Jackson's electric. He's such a dynamic player. And we were, I was telling you, I was explaining this thought that I had in our pre-show meeting, which is that even if you have a plan for Lamar Jackson, it may look great on paper, and it actually might be great in execution until it's not, right? Like, you think exactly. you've got Lamar Jackson, you've got him by the ankles, and next thing you know, he breaks away from a tackle and runs for 52 yards because he's Lamar Jackson. Like, I'm not saying other quarterbacks that are pocket passers are not great or not better players than Lamar Jackson, but if you have a plan, like, it's tough for, you know, Drew Brees to break through the grasp of somebody in the way that it's not as difficult for Lamar Jackson. But here are the reasons why you respect the Ravens. First of all, Lamar's electric. Second of all, like they're one of those organizations that they haven't been the very best over the past 25 years, but they're one of the most respected in football, right? There's a tradition. There's a history. They have won two Super Bowls, like John Harbaugh is one of those universally respected head coaches. All of those reasons are why Baltimore is never going to be considered a cakewalk. Also, defensively, now that they've gotten a lot of those pieces back exactly. after COVID issues, 
They're loaded, right? I mean, they're loaded. They have the horses in the secondary to at least make life difficult on the Chiefs, no matter what it looked like when these teams played. I believe it was back in week four of this NFL season. But if it's not Baltimore, is there anybody else in the AFC that's in the wild card slash fringe wild card conversation that you think scares Kansas City? You've got here are the teams that I would, I would say come to mind. Basically, everybody besides Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Is it Tennessee? Is it Indy? Is it Miami? Is it potentially the Cleveland Brown? Anybody else scare you? Because I think it's clearly no. Baltimore and then who? Nobody? No. Yeah. Uh, no, they don't. And, and the reason why I go Baltimore is, now listen, Buffalo can controls their fate, right, with the number two seed. But you tell me, Buffalo, if they somehow slip to the third seed and end up opening up with the Baltimore Ravens, they, they want to do that. I, they don't want to do that. They don't want that smoke they don't, at all. They do not want that smoke show at all. And so that's why I feel I keep going back. I don't think Pittsburgh has it. I know that comeback against the Indianapolis Colts, but they've been so up and down the way we've seen them the last three weeks. Great comeback. I get it. Ben Roethlisberger, if he's that guy going into the playoffs, fine. Okay, sure. Whatever. I just, I, I think Baltimore's a nasty team. Everyone else, I don't think Kansas City's even sneezing at. I just don't. Yeah, I think Kansas City probably fears Buffalo, maybe Baltimore, and that's about it in the yeah, AFC. Yeah, agreed. That's Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up, it's been a really tough year in so many ways, but we're looking for some positive energy here to close out 2020. So we're asking you, what was the best sports moment of 2020? It's Greeny with Taylor Twelman and Field Yates on ESPN Radio. But first, this word from Straight Talk. It's time for some Straight Talk. Look, we all drop our phones. It happens. Field fumbles it. I crack it. We splash it. Even fumbles. at times I kick it. <laughs> well, Straight Talk Wireless now offers this new Platinum Unlimited plan that includes phone protection. Just 65 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, and data. Plus 20 gigs of hotspot and 100 gigs of cloud storage and more, all on the best network. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See mobile protect terms and conditions for shurion.com slash straight talk. Limitations and exclusions apply. Coming up next on Green E on ESPN Radio with Field Gates and Twitter, Taylor Twelman. What was the best sports moment of 2020? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Greeny, the podcast. It is Greeny on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80 Plus, ESPN Plus. Field Yates and Taylor Twelman hanging out with you in place of Greeny on this final day of 2020. And it's got us looking backwards before we look forwards. What's the best sports moment of 
2020. And Greeny on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, protecting your business with specialized coverages for your commercial vehicles. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. So, Taylor, let's... You and I have sort of already weighed in on some of our favorite yeah, of sports moment, including the return of sports, right? Bubbles that brought back sports and gave us such entertainment during the months of June and July. The MLS, the NBA, the NHL, and of course, many other sports to follow. We want to hear from you. And along those lines, let's head on out to uh, the phone lines as we have next Tom from Pennsylvania, I believe, is there. Tom, what do you got for your favorite sports moment of 2020? Yeah, my favorite sports moment of uh, 2020. Uh was Freddie Freeman winning the National League MVP mm-hmm. after having battled COVID, finding out he and his wife were expecting twins, and then hitting the first of two grand slams over a weekend when he'd never hit one in his entire career. It was kind of like the cherry on top for me, and I'm a huge Braves fan. Yeah, Tom, great answer there, because I think about Freddie Freeman, and it's not even that you have to be a Braves fan to appreciate it. Um, COVID-19 is something that obviously has ravaged, I mean, millions of lives and killed hundreds of thousands of people here in the United States. But in the infant stages of COVID-19 hitting our country here, Taylor, none of us understood the magnitude of it. As a matter of fact, many people downplayed part of it. And um, athletes are the best of the best. They are finely tuned um, individuals, right? Freddie Freeman, obviously an elite athlete for a long time. You sort of don't think that these that the COVID-19 could impact athletes in the way that it has impacted so many but it's a reminder, and it was a none-too-subtle reminder, that no one's immune to this. And athletes were having their bodies taken over by this incredibly deadly and, and harmful virus. And to bounce back in the way that he did, I mean, it's impressive to win the MVP with no issues whatsoever to your health. To do so in that way was certainly inspiring fashion by the Brave Slugger. It was also how transparent he was with how he struggled mm-hmm. and how it really impacted him. And I think that's why... Freddie Freeman's story was an example for a lot of people in that conversation that you're talking about where, well, no, athletes and young people aren't going to be affected. And then Freddie Freeman sitting there raising his hand, posting stuff on Instagram, saying, whoa, 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 what are you guys talking about? This is what I'm dealing with. This is my struggle. This is how it's impacted my family. And that's why I think Freddie Freeman's story will be a huge part of it. And I think COVID-19, I'm going to make that switch to what a question I asked the listeners at home and field you now are on the show you're joining us but i haven't heard i haven't asked you the question yet and it's about the cleveland browns because mm. as we started radio today it was then news that there were more covid-19 positive tests the browns had to shut down the facility for their second straight day is it a failure if the browns don't make the playoffs so I know that you and I have talked about this off air, but also worth reminding that there is sort of this fine line, right, that I think is important to distinguish. It's not a failure if the Browns miss the playoffs, Taylor. It is not. They've won 10 games. This is the Browns. This is the armpit of the NFL for the past 20 years in terms of organizational stability and quarterback carousels and head coaching hirings and firings. To win 10 games this soon under Kevin Stefanski as their head coach with Andrew Barry as their general manager is an accomplishment. Agreed. That being said, if the Browns miss the playoffs, it's a disappointment. And there's a very fine line there because two weeks ago, the Browns, heck, three weeks ago, you rewind even further back, the Browns were headed towards the playoffs and it seems like it was more of A, who are they playing, or B, could they potentially steal the division from the Pittsburgh Steelers? Instead, the Browns have lost two of their past three games, including to the Jets last weekend. Now, I know 
The Browns were without four wide receivers last weekend because of COVID-19 protocols, multiple offensive linemen, multiple linebackers. But you know what? We've seen teams that have been dramatically impacted by COVID all over the NFL this year. It's just a thing that has happened. Teams have had to deal with it. If they don't make the playoffs, Taylor, it's because they lose on Sunday to a Steelers team led by Mason Rudolph. How about this last year? The Steelers averaged 1.6 offensive touchdowns a game. Do the math. The Steelers were averaging on offense like 10 points from touchdowns per game last year. So you sprinkle in a couple of field goals here and there. Like a team averaging 16 field goal, 16 points per game in the NFL is like categorically awful. They were terrible last year on offense. If they lose to Mason Rudolph on Sunday, the Browns would go 10 and 6. They're watching the playoffs from home. That's a major disappointment. Field. That's what you're talking about with Mason Rudolph. All I'm thinking of uh, Mason Rudolph versus Miles Garrett, my man. Uh, yeah. Like well. th- like like honestly, this this is where this is like 2020 can't just go away. Like go away. Now granted, Thankfully, that game's in 2021, so maybe it changes the mojo of this. Yeah. But when I saw that, when I saw that Big Ben was a play, I'm like, oh my word! Like it just doesn't stop. I mean, honestly, think about it: Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph, all of that animosity that was there. But that animosity is completely gone now because of this COVID-19 struggle for the Browns. We saw what it did against them against the Jets, even though they still should have won and beat the Jets. Yet this week, now you've got this on the verge of making the playoffs since the first time in, what, 2002, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I just can't look at that as a failure. I just can't. No, it's not. It's not. And, and the other it, thing- You could be disappointed, but that that's not a failure. I'm sorry. And you said this best. If you asked all the Cleveland Browns fans before this season started, hey, would you take 10-6 and six right now? 85% would have signed up for right, it. Right, right, right. If not 90. If right? you gave them so, the opportunity to be 10-6 and six, without blinking an eye or have the chance to play out the season and be 12 and 4 or 6 and 10. They say give me 10 and 6 every single time. And here's what happens to sports though, Taylor, is that first of all, time heals things like it does in life. If the Browns go 10 and 6, the immediate level of disappointment will be substantial because they'll miss the playoffs, they'll be watching it from the couch. By March, Browns fans will be saying to themselves, "You know what? Think about how far we came in just one year with Odell out for most of the year, a defense that's got a few really, really good players, and then other players that are just not nearly close to being ready to being full-time starters. But right now, in the sting of 2020 slash the beginning of 2021, it would be brutal if the Browns don't win on Sunday. Imagine losing in back-to-back games to Sam Darnold in the 1-13 Jets and then Mason Rudolph in the Pittsburgh. It can't happen. Unacceptable. Unacceptable is 100%. But, by the way, it can happen. Because what I saw from the Jets beating the Rams in L.A. and then the Jets beating Cleveland in New York. By the way, I expect the unexpected. It's 2020, dude. Yeah, it certainly is. So, from fitting things back from the pro ranks to the college ranks, we are now just one day away from the college football playoff semifinals beginning. And is the college football playoff really just set up for Clemson and Alabama? It's Greeny on ESPN Radio with Taylor Twellman and Field Yates. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.